everybody. Hello. And welcome to another episode of your favorite podcast, Dear Bear Book Club. I'm Nikki. Ooh. And I'm Kirsty. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> so, well, life sucks right now. Yeah. And it's difficult. Yeah, it's hard. Um, and, yeah. I yeah. don't really have any book news. No. Uh, this week. Um, but I do have a funny story. You want to hear it? Sure. Okay, I, you've definitely heard half of the story because I told it when we were like still in COVID. But okay, so you know my little baby Yoda figure with the cup? Yeah. The Funko Pop? Yeah. Okay, so I am not the kind of person who likes to have like a lot of random like tchotchkes. Everything needs to have kind of a purpose, you know? I like to have pretty things and like I'll I'll probably start decorating my house a bit more now that we're a bit more settled. But I I like things to have a purpose. Okay. So Funko Pops really are not my thing and I never really saw the point of them. Like they're just like figurines, right? Like they just sit there and look cute. Which is fine. If that's what you're into, you can you can do that. But anyway, so one day, you know how the the meme is like with the baby Yoda with the little cup and it's like drinking his tea, you know? There's a meme. Yeah. Yeah. Kirsty's doing the action. I just acted those, it out, but <laughs> for those of you who can't see, which is all of you because this is a podcast. Anyway, I was sitting at my old work. And I was sitting in the lunchroom and we were talking about Funko Pops. Somebody, like, everybody was talking about like all the different kind of pop- Funko Pops or whatever that they wanted. And I was like, oh man, I saw that they have like a Funko Pop uh, that is like Baby Yoda with the cup. Mm-hmm. And if I was going to get a Funko Pop, that's the Funko Pop I would get. And this one girl was like, oh, well, the next time I go to the store and if I see it, I'll get it for you. And I was like, ha yeah, totally. Whatever. Not thinking she would actually get it for me. Cut to, like, two weeks later. She's bought this fucking Funko Pop for me. And I'm just like, ah! (laughs) I don't know how to, like, I don't know how to navigate the situation. Because, like, I don't want her to just buy it for me. Because I think that they're pretty expensive. I don't actually know how much a Funko Pop is. But they're, like, too much to be spending on some random person that you barely know. Yeah. And... I was like, okay, well, I'll I'll pay you for it. How much was it? She wouldn't tell me how much it was. So I just, like, gave her some money because I just didn't want to have that on my conscience, you know? Yeah. And, like, we weren't weren't close enough to, like, for her to be buying me a gift. Anyway, and also, like, she was a part-timer and I was, like, a manager and I was like, this is weird. I don't want this to be happening to me right now. (laughs) Anyway, so I actually like him. I was like, what am I going to do with this fucking stupid Funko Pop? Like... I didn't, I didn't really want one, but now I kind of like it. He sits on my desk and he's really cute. But anyway, so that was that. And I was like, and it was always kind of a funny story between me and Evan. We'd be like, remember that time some random girl bought you a Funko Pop? And I'd be like, yeah, I do remember that. That was fucking weird. So that was the end of that. And I thought that was going to be the end of my Funko Pops. Mm -hmm. Then Evan buys me a super creepy Valentine's themed 
Funko Pop of Grogu. <laughs> it's so creepy. I don't know if you saw it when you were here, but it's I pink. Don't remember. It's pink. Jordan mentioned it because he was sleeping in here, though. It was like literally staring down at him while he was sleeping in here. But it's pink with red eyes. Oh my fucking god, that's <laughs> terrifying. I know, it's so terrifying. And I'm like, why the fuck did you buy me this weird ass Funko Pop? And Evan was like, oh, it was. It was on sale. I know how much you like Grogu. And I was like, but okay. Demon Grogu. And you know me, like, my love language is gifts. So I, yeah. I couldn't be too mad at him. I was like, I like getting gifts. Sure. Okay. Cut to today. So that was like, I don't know, probably in, in April or something that he bought me this fucking Funko Pop. Today, I get into the car and guess what the fuck is on the dashboard? A Grogu Funko Pop. Yay! Like the normal one that's like has his hand out like he's doing magic. Yeah. And I'm like, what? where are these Funko Pops coming from? <laughs> and Evan is like, oh, um, this guy at work, he, I told him that you liked Grogu a lot. So he was at a convention and apparently it was really cheap. So he just bought you this Funko Pop. And I'm like, why do these people keep buying Funko Pops? I don't know them. Random <laughs> people. Random people keep buying me Funko Pops, and I'm like, I don't understand. I'm gonna be buried in Funko Pops, I swear to God. Oh, and I'm just so like, funny. well, now I know. So I'm just gonna start sending them to you anonymously. I just if don't I understand. see any, they're just gonna appear randomly. And like, obviously, I like that's so nice that he was thinking of me. It's just like. For one thing, I he, I don't know. I've never even met him. Mm-hmm. But Evan just told him randomly one day that I liked Grogu and I thought he was really cute. Well, now you got three. I have three Funko Pops somehow when I never even wanted one. I don't know how this happened. This is hilarious. <sighs> I love it. It's so... I. And, like, literally as soon as I got home and I was telling Evan how weird it is that two random people have bought me Funko Pops, he, I was like, I have to tell this story on the podcast because yeah. you will think it's hilarious. It's fucking hilarious. But now that you, you now that you said that, if you start buying me Funko Pops, I'm going to know it's you. You're going to have to, I'll like... figure me, out a way. You're going to have to send them to Evan and, like, get he'll him get them, hide to them. hide them. Yeah. yeah. I'll figure <sighs> out a plan. Yeah. Also, sorry, my neck really hurts, and I don't have a back to my chair, so this is just how I'm just gonna look like a thumb. Is, it, is that a travel pillow or is it like yeah, a massaging it pillow? <laughs> it's a travel pillow. It's I awesome. have looked out for us to go on the plane. Um, it's pretty awesome. My neck is like not moving, so that feels really good. Man, you know, I don't know how to sit in an office chair. Yeah, me and Nikki are both in pain. Yes! My necks both hurt. My legs also hurt. My leg kind of hurts too from the sod. It's like, you know, just general exertion. I haven't exerted myself in over a month. And now I have a job where I sit in an office chair. Which is fucking the best time of my life. (laughs) But (sighs) I'm going to need to start working out now or something. I don't know. We're going to have to start going for walks every night or something like that. Because... But it's, I mean, it's great because I don't feel so tired. Like, I, I'm still exhausted. Last week, I went to bed at, like, 8.30 every single night because my brain was tired. 
Yeah. But it's not like the same as if I take another step, I'm literally going to die. So yeah. that's well, awesome. I just had my first day back to work. Um, and I'm exhausted. I already had a nap. Um, <laughs> and missed the start of recording by like half an hour. But well, it's um, not like I can I'm record here now. You. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that would be a pretty boring podcast. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, but I don't, I don't have any. I look a bit like a nut right now, just like a giant thumb that's kind of well, smushed. That, that's why we have a podcast and not a web the, series. T- yeah. <laughs> like a youtube channel yeah oh. yeah i don't have anything uh just that i'm really excited for carrie soda to come out that's i yep. think a week from tomorrow yeah of this of this recording by the time this episode release releases uh it'll already be out so this is a perfect little segue into my book and I think I'm going first, so... Yeah, you are. Um, this is perfect. Wait, um, you want to tell li- them what the theme is? Oh, life is trash. Everything's <laughs> difficult. We're just doing the only books we can right now. Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> this is us, the second installment of our theme of Life is Fucking Hard. And the first time round was when you were moving. When I moved, exactly. This time round is when I'm moving, so, so it's yeah. perfect. It works out. So we're just doing so, books that we have read recently. <laughs> yeah. Yay. So I read this kind of recently, but it's kind of nice because today as we were recording, so like a week earlier than this will be released, um, this author's second book is being released. So yay, today? today, it's today. Yeah. Like physically oh. today. My God, that's cool. So I'm doing The Love Hypothesis by Ali Hazelwood. And the book that is releasing today, i.e. a week ago, is Love (laughs) on the Brain. Are they like, is it like, are they attached or are they just? I don't think so. I think the only reason they're like kind of related is they're both like women in STEM. So Mm -hmm. that's pretty great. Um what does STEM stand for again? Science, technology, Science. engineering, and machine. Math? Math? Math. Probably look that up. I think it's math. <laughs> you can tell that we are not in any STEM no. career. Oh, yeah, here. it is math. Science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. Ooh, but there's one called STEAM. Oh, STEAM includes art. Fair. Um... But STEM is science, technology, engineering, and math. So, might as well start with the back of the book. So, I don't know why I made that so dramatic. (laughs) (laughs) The Love Hypothesis, Ali Hazelwood, and it was published by Berkeley. So, there's like that little blurby bit at the top, which I'm also going to really read to When a fake relationship between scientists meets the irresistible force of attraction, it throws one woman's carefully calculated theories on love into chaos. Love it. As a third-year PhD candidate, Olive Smith doesn't believe in lasting romantic relationships, but her best friend does, and that's what got her into this situation. 
convincing Anne that all of his dating and well on her way to a happily ever after was always going to take more than hand-waving Jedi mind tricks. Scientists require proof. So like any self-respecting biologist, Olive panics and kisses the first man she sees. That man is none other than Adam Carlson, a young hotshot professor and well-known ass. Which is why Olive is positively floored when Stanford's reigning lab tyrant agrees to keep her charade a secret and be her fake boyfriend. And when a big science conference goes haywire, putting Olive's career on the Bunsen burner, Adam surprises her again with his unyielding support and even more unyielding six-pack abs. Whew! Suddenly, their little experiment feels dangerously close to combustion, and Olive discovers that the only thing more complicated than a hypothesis on love is putting her own heart under the microscope. I love this book. It's so damn cute. So, some of the things I love about this book. As the wife of a PhD candidate, I love that shit. It was so good. However, the relationship of like PhD candidate with a professor not gonna lie problematic it makes me a little anxious because <laughs> I obviously think my husband is a babe so when he's TAing and stuff I'm like I really hope that your students like as much as I'm like yeah crush after him I'm like no not too much <laughs> not too much though um well now he wears a ring so yeah that's true. But apparently that's like hot for some people. Really? Yeah, apparently for some women, I'm not saying you know, all women, but for some women it's like it's like a challenge or something. Ew. Yeah. Anyway. I've read about it. It's not great. So, just like hearing like, because I know way more than I've ever thought I would know about PhDs and their programs (laughs) and how they work and how you get in you're a phd student you have to do your comprehensive exams and then you're a phd candidate and then you're a candidate until you do your like defend your thesis and everything and then you have a phd so that's the basic gist of how you like progress along the like phd track and it can Mm -hmm. take years so a third year phd candidate she probably still has well see science is slightly different i think science you kind of because you're doing your research you can sometimes not take as long i think maybe i'm completely wrong i don't know joseph's is within the arts so his is taking a fairly lengthy time um but like some phds the average i think is between four to six years some phds can take 10 like it just depends, I think, on your field and how you what you're researching, I suppose. Mm. But having done science as part of my degree for three years of it, some of the things that they were doing in some of the language, I can understand too. So, and I don't think it's like far reaching where like you have to have any sort of prior knowledge. And sometimes when you do hear a lot of the like language and verbiage, it does kind of like, if you wouldn't know, I suppose it may kind of be annoying to hear that, but I think it's kind of neat to have that like woven in to a book because you can still understand like the technology kind of behind it. 
Um, so is this the one that she is like the author is does something in sciences or is that a different book I think that I'm so. thinking of? I think that's her. Um, Cause see Bonnie Garmus that does mm. um, lessons in chemistry. She, her book is also like um, kind of STEM related too, because um, the main character in that um, is a scientist. Um, but let me just double check. But the um, lessons in chemistry is set in like the sixties, isn't it? Yeah. Whereas this is set like current day. Yeah. Um, Ali Hazelwood. Yeah. So Ali Hazelwood is an Italian neuroscientist and writer of romance novels. Her main characters are women in STEM fields and in academia. So. Also, in 2022, she also published three novellas, Under One Roof, Stuck With You, and Below Zero. So they're all kind of like, definitely like her books play into a lot of like romance tropes. Like this one is fake relationships, which is a Mm. huge um, trope within romance novels. Um, But I don't feel that it's done badly. I actually think it's really adorable the way it's done. Mm -hmm. Um, And also her characters aren't, what I would say is like typical characters either like um, Olive loses her mom when she was like in high school and she was like raised by her mom as a single parent whereas Adam Adam definitely is kind of like more of your typical like moody male (laughs) romance interest and he was brought up, his parents were diplomats, so he actually was born in the Netherlands and, like, grew up kind of, like, all over the place. And then he met his best friend, who was also a child of a diplomat, and then they went to school together, then went to university together, and then even went to grad school together, and now they're working at Stanford together, which is kind of unusual, too. Like, you don't often see people doing the same trajectory like that, but... um yeah kind of neat um yeah and olive has like her two best friends one is her roommate malcolm and the other one is her best friend Anne. so it kind of all starts out there's like a little preamble where she is in a bathroom at stanford like a few years prior where she's going there for her interview to um, be a ph student there or a phd student sorry um and she's in this bathroom and she put in expired contact lenses because she's a student and you gotta do what you gotta do sometimes. But they're making her eyes water and she can't see properly because her eyes are all horrible. So she meets, a, there's this guy in the bathroom, starts talking to her and basically like kind of convinces her, yeah, you're in the right, um, like if you have the right intent of doing research, you're in the right place, you should take the position kind of thing. But it's all based on like your intent and what you plan to do. If you plan on furthering the field of scientific research, that's the best reason possible to want to strive towards doing your PhD. Um, so then it jumps forward and all of a sudden Olive is in the biology department at like late at night because she was running a test. She is in the corridor and she sees her friend Anne appear but she's meant to be on a date 
and on because olive was dating this guy jesus what was his name ian no <laughs> jeremy his name is jeremy. <laughs> oh um so she was dating this guy jeremy but it was kind of like they'd only been like a couple dates and it was Anne's birthday, so she takes Jeremy to Anne's birthday, and Jeremy and Anne get on like you wouldn't believe. So she's kind of like, they break up, and Jeremy's like, would you mind if I asked Anne out? Because like they obviously were meant to be for each other, and Olive is like, yeah, that's fine, but Anne is like, that's breaking a girl code. I can't do that. Mm-hmm. But Olive's like, it's fine. You should date him. And then she eventually convinces her friend because she's like, I'm going out on a date with somebody. Don't worry about it. I'm moving on with my life. So when she sees Anne coming down the corridor, well, she's meant to be on a date. She's like, shit. So the first person she sees, she walks up to them and she's like, can I kiss you? Oh, well, she asked for consent. That's nice. Well, he apparently is like, I like, he like scoffed. (laughs) so then he's like i'm gonna afterwards he was like what the fuck and she was like i'm sorry because then she realizes who she's kissing and she's like what the hell so she he's like i'm gonna file a title nine complaint which is like (laughs) i don't know if this exists in canada but in the states it's like this complaint you put forward in academia in regards to sexual harassment. So he's like, I'm going to file one. Like, whatever. And But he gives her an opportunity to, like, explain herself. So eventually she explains herself and he's like, okay, um, I'm going to file it. So anyway, she leaves in a panic. And then, yeah, there's kind of a cute moment, though, there because she never says what her name is. And she leaves in such a panic, she, like, leaves her laptop in her lab. She, like, walks home, forgets to pick up the coffee that she told her roommate she would pick up. She's at home, and she doesn't realize that when she's leaving the building, she never told him her name, but he shouts after her, saying, Olive, like, slow down, like, wait. So she doesn't realize that she knows who she... He knows who she is. So... It's like, oh, that's kind of cute. And it's hard to catch that. But I think they say it, actually. He, she, when she's back in her apartment, um, the author is like, she doesn't even realize that he like said her name when she was leaving. So the long and the short of it is like they have a few like conversations and he is essentially being headhunted by Harvard. But because Stanford knows that he's being headhunted they have frozen his like research funds that he's already allocated for the year because he just Mm. won this big grant so they it would be in his interest to show that he's putting down roots in stanford so if he has a relationship that's showing that he's putting down roots so do they think about that kind of stuff uh, i have no idea (laughs) i don't like i don't know i don't yeah (laughs) not a clue so but in this book it happens so the chair of the department's like your funding's frozen so he or like a a good portion of it's frozen so 
he's like, I want it to be unfrozen so I can continue my research for this year. He, the students that he has under his PhD, like that he's looking after, most of them are going to be done within the year. So he would be starting, potentially could start at Harvard the year after. So he wants to use the funding. So he's like, if I showed that I was like dating you and shows that I'm putting down roots here, then it would potentially let make the chair release the funding so and Ann is not convinced that they're dating so she's like that was the weirdest fucking kiss I've ever seen in my life <laughs> so she essentially um they come to an agreement it's gonna last for like a month they have an end date um which is when this conference is happening or just after the conference um so that Anne can be, can be convinced to be happy with Jeremy and that Adam can get his funding. So they decide to meet like once a week, have coffee together and just like kind of get to know each other. But it's only like a once a week commitment thing. And there's no like off campus meeting. There's no like sex. If they're going to date somebody else, they have to let the other person know. Like so they set up some ground rules. So, a couple things happen, like, they go, oh, and meanwhile, Olive's supervisor is going to be retiring, and so she's not really applying for grants and stuff, so the equipment she has in her lab is not going to be able to perform the tests that Olive needs for her thing, so she's been reaching out to different cancer clinics, because her research is in pancreatic, pancreatic cancer, so she's like, reaching out to different universities to do research at. And the only person that gets back to her is this guy at Harvard. So he's like, actually, I'm visiting Stanford. I'll We can meet then and talk about your project. So she's out at a coffee shop with Adam, and she's kind of gotten to know him a little bit. And when they leave, they bump into Adam's friend Tom, who turns out to be the guy at Harvard that she has to do research with. But Adam did his PhD... Yeah, he did his PhD with Tom at Harvard. Sorry if this is way too confusing. Um, <laughs> it is... Kind yeah, of convoluted. I... Yeah. Um, so the book explains this lovely. Um, <laughs> so... She's, like, putting in her research proposal. So, all of a sudden, she ends up having to, like, give her pitch with Adam in this coffee shop. Um, which she finds, like, Adam actually, like, helps. He, like, rephrases one of Tom's questions so she actually understands it and, like, can explain it better. Um, but also, everybody in the department is treating her way different. Like, there was... Her lab mates are letting her use the microscope before anybody else because... They're all terrified of Adam. <laughs> so even like one of the people in her lab, he Adam's on his PhD committee and he rejects a proposal that he does and says he needs to work more on it. But this guy is furious because him and his wife are like both doing their PhDs, trying to graduate at the same time and then move elsewhere together. Mm. And this is going to throw him back and not be able to progress at the same time as his wife so he's like super pissed and takes out his anger on Olive because he's like why can't your boyfriend just be like not a shit hmm. 
but nobody knows that they're fake dating. So yeah, yeah. Um. So she like texts Adam and is like, "Can't you just be like, yeah?" So she like calls like says, "Well, fuck you." But they're going to this department picnic the, like a couple days later. They end up at the picnic, and Olive ends up. Oh, first of all, they end up in a talk that Tom's giving. And the room is so filled with people that there's nowhere to sit. So Anne's like, just sit in your boyfriend's lap. I knew that was coming. I knew that was coming. So she does. Like, and it's kind of, there's kind of like, I don't know. Tension. Yeah. (laughs) So then they end up at this picnic and there's a bunch of guys playing frisbee. And of course, Adam is there. No shirt on. Hmm. Chucking frisbees. Sure. And then we find out that he's an absolute babe. Um, he's already this all? like ridiculously tall person and stuff, which I have a problem with. Like, why are they all tall? I don't know. Why do you have to be tall? Like, not. I'm not saying anything, but like, Joseph isn't that much taller than me. Why does height matter that much to people? Like, I don't get it. I don't know. Me and Evan were talking about this the other day too, and I was like. Well, he doesn't particularly like it. Like, he is, mm, I don't know, I want to say, like, at least a good half a foot taller than me. Mm-hmm. Maybe? I don't know. Anyway, but if I wear high enough heels, I'll, I'd be taller than him. Yeah. Like, some of my heeled boots and stuff, I'm taller than him, and he hates it. I'm like, why does it matter? And who's looking? And, yeah. and then he was like, but you wouldn't date a guy who is shorter than you. And I was like, why wouldn't I? Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't because I'm married now, but Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like, it's like not I, an issue now, but like It was never I, a thing for me. Yeah, and I don't see there being a problem. I remember like getting these like nice tall boots and wearing them and we were like meeting with some other people and they immediately cuz we were like like at like a residence staying there and immediately somebody was like oh, well, doesn't Joseph mind that you're taller than him? And I was like, why? Yeah. Why should it matter? Yeah. Unbeknownst to that person, I had asked Joseph, and he was like, I really don't care. Um, So <laughs> I was like, all right, then. Um, You don't care, so why should it matter? So, like, when this person said, doesn't it bother? Like, I was like, why should it? Like, anyway, but it just bothers me when there's, like, everyone has to be, like, this tall massive person because at one point she when they're at this picnic and he's throwing the frisbee around her friends and stuff like start talking about putting sunscreen on so they squirt too much sunscreen in all of hands so where's she gonna put it oh my god where is she gonna put it <laughs> yeah so her best friend is like the one who's like on is like you should sit in your boyfriend's lap you should put sunscreen on him because she's like why does it matter i'm putting sunscreen on jeremy and just like put sunscreen on him so she was like you should just put sunscreen on him so she calls him like her friend calls him over and is like have you put sunscreen on and he was like well no so she starts putting sunscreen on his back and when she gets to his front she's like level with his pecs and all of his herself is like she says she's not like small she's like five eight so i'm like this dude's ridiculously tall. Yeah, that doesn't like, track. And I don't know. Like, 
it anyway that's not the okay i have more bodily complaints about sizing of things but um i'll get to that in a minute so but he's kind of like people are like oh he's such a dick and stuff and she's like actually i find him like pleasant he's really nice to me and stuff so we kind of see when adam is with olive we see a different side to adam and it's kind of sweet so as the story progresses they get to know each other a little bit more tom is really interested in her working at harvard and then they go they're about to go to this conference in, and it's in boston so before they go she finds out that her two friends have already figured out their accommodation to go there's only one bed aha there's not (laughs) oh damn so olive is also like plays into like she loves romance and stuff like that watches rom-coms all the time so she's like looking for accommodation when adam walks into the coffee shop and is like hey how are you doing um for their like weekly coffee and she's like oh i'm struggling i'm trying to find accommodation for the conference and i can't find any and he's like well stay with me he's like they're paying for my whole time because he was a keynote speaker He's only going to be there one of the days because he's got to go like somewhere else and do like something. So he's like, "I'm, you can have my room for the rest of the time." He's like, "We we'll only will overlap by a day, so no big deal." So she's like, <laughs> "No, because there will only be one bed." And he's like, "No, there isn't. I saw the booking confirmation. It says two double beds." And she's like, "No, it will be." one bed like i've seen too many rom like it will be one bed and he's like i can send you the booking confirmation it's not like so she kind of like has no choice but to go with it but she yeah so she gets there and there's two beds so she's like oh great so kind of a nice little surprise that there is two beds so they get there adam had already spent the previous night there and so she's like okay he's clearly slept in this bed i'll be in this one no problem so she gets ready she puts on her dress for the conference but the dress that she's picked out shrunk in the wash a little bit last time she wore it so it's like a little bit shorter than she'd intended it being so anyway she gets herself all ready because she's going to be on a panel and which is a huge deal adam helped her like prep her slides for the panel like she got lots of help because she's really nervous when it comes to public speaking. And her supervisor can't make it, so she's like, can you record it for me? So she's like, okay, record it, all fine. So she goes, or she's in the room waiting, and Adam was going to come to her talk. But, so he gets in the room, and it's one of those moments where he's like, mouth, like, sees her and is like, like oh my god and there's something about that it's like oh that's cute yeah um that is cute. he's so that was me I, I i forget sometimes i'm on not on camera to everybody he his like jaw <laughs> hits the deck like he is yeah. gobsmacked at how beautiful she is so then they realize with him being the keynote she's actually speaking in the middle of his keynote speech so nobody's gonna she's he's not gonna be there to watch her so she's like it's okay i'm recording it you'll see after so she gets down to where she's giving the speech 
And Tom, who she's going to be in a lab with the next year, is there too. He's on the same panel. So they're talking and she like actually knocks it out the park, her presentation, her friends are there, all giving her like the best encouragement. And the two other people that are on the panel, they're like, your research sounds amazing. Like, want to hear more about it. So she is like, this is fucking fantastic. So Anne and Malcolm are going to go to the mixer that's happening from the department at Stanford. So they're going to go there. But Olive realizes she left her USB stick. So she goes back to get her USB stick. And while she's there, Tom walks in and kisses her and tries to grope her and he's like well clearly you're fucking adam to get ahead in the industry (gasps) nobody picked your talk to actually get here like is just says the worst things and he's like that's the only reason i accepted you to do your research your research is derivative like like you call yourself a scientist but really you're just you learned that if you do if you fuck around early in your career you'll get ahead and that's like not the case at all but he's clearly a shit yeah so clearly meanwhile to this we learned earlier on that holden adam's best friend who like he went through school and stuff with doesn't trust tom he thinks there's something fishy about him but like you never really find out more about it but obviously he knows something that like tom's a shady person but Adam has always like stood by his friendship with Tom. So, and there's like a bunch of other stuff with like academia with like Adam's supervisor being like the biggest shit ever when he was doing his PhD. And so anyway, on, oh my God, I keep saying, when I say on, Olive goes back to her room, like devastated. And she's like, well, I have to report him. So she's like sobbing her eyes out and, Adam comes back in the room and he's like oh my god who did this to you who did this to you (sighs) and he even says because he's like we need to report because she like explains somebody said horrible things about my research and stuff and he was like did you see their name tag because everybody at the conference would have a name tag and she's like no I didn't see them and then he says was this person on your panel and she's like, no, I didn't see who their faces were and stuff. Because she's, because when Tom is being a shit to her, he's like, who do you think Adam's going to believe? Some person he, like, just has known for, like, two seconds or, like, somebody who's known for years. Well, wow, this guy is a huge dick. Yup. <laughs> Big as they come. Um, <laughs> and not in a good way. Um, so... Anyway, he's like, forget all these people. Forget going to the social thing. We're going out for dinner. So he takes her out for dinner. They have, like, cute little banter back and forth. And then they go back to the hotel room. And then things get steamy. Woo! And I'm here for it. And this is Olive, what we came here for! Yep. Olive, like, again, this kind of plays into the trope of, like, women being innocent little flowers. So she's not hugely sexually experienced, but there's a reason behind it. Because she's never really felt attraction to anybody. And she's spoken to Malcolm about it and like deeply spoken about sexuality and things, which this is kind of a nice thing to like be discussed in a book. 
she yeah. needs as a person she needs to feel like she can trust the person that she's intimate with yeah and before they can do anything or feel any sort of sexual attraction she needs to like know them and trust them and i don't know i think it's kind of nice when we show that not everybody just is attracted to people or like yeah yeah so it's really sweet but behind all of this adam thinks that olive is still in love with jeremy and when olive was speaking to his best friend holden he like lets slip that he that adam's in love with this girl and she's like well he's in love with some random girl it's not me like yeah so because she said oh he's been in love with this girl for years so um things get steamy and I, it's so cute because Adam, like, really listens to her. Their communication is strong. Nothing's going to beat that for me because I yeah. love when people listen to each other. Yes. <laughs> Solid communication is what you need, especially yep. when it comes to sexy times. Agreed. So this is where biological problem number two comes into play. Because. Oh, God. No, is this what I think it is? Yes. This is when they say, like, and Ali Hazelman, I think you're fantastic. Love you. But he fits her whole breast in his oh. mouth. <laughs> okay, this is not where I thought it was going. What? Like, she does say that yeah, she that is has, weird. has small boobs. But that's not possible. Like... <laughs> Or at least I don't think it. I'm pretty sure that's not possible. Whatever size of boob you have, unless the he's whole like, thing. Yeah, unless he's like unhinging his jaw like a cobra. Yeah, and like, no, <laughs> like no, because I have pretty small boobs, and no, that's not real. Yeah, and <sighs> I used to have pretty small boobs, and then I don't know what happened. They grew one day, I guess. Um... <laughs> So, for a long time, I had really small boobs. So, like, I know what they're like. Yeah. And that's just a no. And I was like, what? Um, yeah. And not that I, like, I don't have the biggest boobs, but I do feel part because I was in, what what is it you call it? The Itty Bitty Titty Committee? Yeah. Um, I was part of that committee for quite a while. But birth control did something and. Sure. Yeah. It's like they, one day they just sprang out. Uh, yeah. So, um, yeah. Biologically, I don't think that's possible. But yeah, she's a neurobiologist. Whatever. Yeah. Or neuro. She's seen, she's seen bodies. Like you have to do a biology degree before you can do that. Yeah. Anyway, it is quite a nice, sexy time. Gotta admit, and especially because I read the audiobook, pleasure to the ears. I have to say, so. <laughs> I was listening to a little bit of it on my way into work today as Olive was full on giving Adam a blowjob. I don't know what it is with me and all of a sudden You're my audiobook's just... giving blowjobs while I'm on the train. But I was like, <laughs> I really hope nobody looks at me right now because I'm going to go beat red. And it takes a lot for me to blush. So it just like for some reason doesn't show on my complexion at all. But yeah, I think it would have shown today. Um, because I was clearly avoiding eye contact with 
every single person. Um, <laughs> but so in my reread of this, I actually didn't get to the end of the book, but I still know what happens and stuff. Um, yeah. So meanwhile, Adam, as pre-planned, has to go away for a few days. So anyway, they have like a lovely, sexy time in bed. Um, and they're like, well, we only have this one night together. Because Olive thinks that he's in love with someone and he thinks that she's in love with Jeremy. So anyway, they there's some sort of realization, though, that the meeting that Adam is going to and why he's going like to the other side of Boston is actually to be interviewed by Harvard. So his whole like intent to be interviewed by Harvard like we know as a reader is probably because Olive's going to be there next year. But he's saying this to her and he's like, well, like it would be nice like next year. Oh, this is how it comes about. He'll be like, oh, there'd be, there's some nice trails here in the winter. It would be nice to show you next year. And she's like, well, why would you be showing me? And he's like, well, I potentially have the perspective of getting a job and you're going to be here with Tom. So like, it would be really nice to show you around. And she is like, well, I'm not gonna be doing that because I have to report Tom. Like, yeah, um, and I never want to see his stupid ass again. Yeah. So, um, Adam like goes away to like the interview thing. Meanwhile, Olive holds herself up in a room. So eventually, like after a day passes, Malcolm and Anne appear and are like, "Let us in your room." Like things have happened, including the fact that Malcolm. Her roommate is kind of now seeing Holden, Adam's best friend, who's also like a um, professor at Stanford. So he's like, I want to know the goss on Holden from Adam's perspective. I want to know. So anyway, she had been like putting, uploading the recording of her speech onto her computer to send to her supervisor. Because she's like, I forgot to do that. I need to do that before we go out because her friends are like, come on. We're just going to go out. You're holding yourself up in here and you need to leave. So she's uploading it when it starts playing in the background. She's just checking that it's going. But then it stops, keeps going. But it recorded her entire conversation with Tom. <gasps> yep, the whole thing. So she has that and her friends are like, what the fuck is that? And then they convince her that she needs to go tell Adam like immediately. So... She finds out, she calls, like, the Harvard biology department and then fakes, like, somebody. So she finds out where they're having dinner. Um, I think she fakes being Adam's, like, assistant or something. <laughs> so she finds out where they're having dinner. Hmm. She shows up at the restaurant and is like, I need to talk to you now. So he's like, of course. Sorry, folks. I have to go see what this is about. But Tom is also at this meeting because he works at Harvard and he feels that he's put his like career on the line trying to get Tom this, or trying to get Adam this job. Yeah. So eventually he comes over and is like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, whatever. And then Olive is trying to say and he, he's like trying to talk over her. And Adam is like, let her talk. Meanwhile, Olive just presses the recording. Yeah. Which is very loud. And then, obviously, so then it results in Adam, and I don't know what about me, because I'm a very <laughs> peaceful person. What about me that's, like, 
I don't know, endorses this for some reason, but the idea <laughs> of, like, your man fucking pinning somebody up against the wall, I don't know. In it does honor something of your for de- me. In honor, like, yeah, in, or honor in defense of, you. of your honor. Yeah. Because yeah. Uh, I realized that, like, when I was talking about the Bridgerton book last time, when all of her brothers has, like, the guy up, I was explaining that, I'm like, yeah, yeah fuck yeah. Um... <laughs> And now I'm like, Adam pinning the, Adam pinning uh, Tom up against the wall. So anyway, he's like, Tom, like, go. And he, so anyway, he talks to the people. But meanwhile, he's like, Olive, go back to your room. Like, go back to the hotel. I'll talk to you when, because they have to fly up the next day. I'll talk to you when we arrive back in, um, back at Stanford. So she goes back to the room and she's kind of like confused, not really knowing what's happening. So... When they arrive at the airport, they she's like flying with Malcolm, and they're like, "Oh, we're gonna wait for um, Holden and Adam to arrive." So when they arrive, they're like, "Oh, we're gonna go for dinner," and then like Adam like announces, "Yeah, like he won't be going to Harvard." Tom is also like now under like academic review because of misconduct and stuff. Like, they have the recording and everything. Um, yeah. Because Adam gets Olive to send it to him. So, yeah, she won't have to... And another thing, it, Adam, in the meantime, because she knows she can't go to Harvard next year, she gets her supervisor to help her reach out to cancer research labs so that she can actually get another offer of another like place so she doesn't have to go to Harvard for the year. Yeah. So, anyway, they go out for dinner as, like, a double date, and it shows, like, how Malcolm is really a good match with Holden, and Adam's a really good match for Olive, and then it comes out, and she kind of potentially guessed that the guy in the bathroom, when she was having problems with her contact lenses, was Adam, and, like, the whole reason she decided to stay at Stanford to do her PhD. So, it was Adam, and he, like, loved her from that moment so when she decided to come and do her phd he was like thought she was the best but didn't want to introduce himself or anything like that so was just kind of like kind of pining after her while she was there for like three years so he told his best friend holden so when holden said yeah he's been in love with this girl for years he was talking about olive so everything like clicks together and I know I just spoiled the entire story, but it's so fucking good. Um, yeah, I love it. I think it's great. And it's one of those, like, it feels very easy to read. Like, the book, it feels very easy to listen to. Um, yeah. I just think it's great. And having all of, the, like, the academic references and things in there, it's kind of, like, quirky to have, like, that. But also, like, really powerful women in STEM too like coming through from this book like her supervisor is really cool her best friend's really cool like all of herself is pretty awesome um yeah so and then having this like big gruff guy kind of just like think that she's the absolute best thing ever yeah it's just like super sweet usually it's the other way around usually it's the woman pining yeah too like that's the thing yeah and one of the like um quotes in the back from um an author jessica clare 
It says, this tackles one of my favorite tropes, grumpy meets sunshine, in a fun and utterly endearing way. And in all honesty, that's purely what it is. It's just such a sweet read, and I can't wait to read her next book. Um, And you know, again, romance is not for everybody, so there's definitely an audience for this. But I do think that guys should start reading romance. I really think that that, it would be such a positive for... um, relationships and i don't just mean like um like heterosexual relationships i think that it's good to just hear like fair enough they do have miscommunication the miscommunication trope is all over this book which sometimes that irritates me a little bit but it's not in like a malicious way i think and the fact that they're like sexual experiences with each other are not miscommunicated it's like very open i think is quite healthy and the fact that it does like fair enough there was miscommunication about who each other liked but i think it was done in like kind of honest way that it wasn't like gross at all yeah and the fact that as much as tom believed that his friendship would rule over anything with adam the fact that yeah if you're a shit and you're like like try to molest somebody yeah you're not going to be believed like yeah like that friendship is now nothing to that person like yeah anyway overall very good four and a half stars because i truly do think it's just a very adorable book um yeah love it here for it Yay! God, I think I talked like pretty much nonstop that whole time. <laughs> but I wrote, I, I just think it's a really sweet book and it's been a joy to be like, well, it's not been a joy packing, I can tell you that. But it's been lovely to listen, re listen to this book again while I've been packing because it just like, I don't know, hits me in the feels as much as yeah. sometimes I get annoyed with the fact that it's like this ridiculously tall person who's like as broad <laughs> as the day is long. And has like a fucking twelve pack, and I'm curious how is she described? Um, petite but tall, like kind of like slim built but like athletic. They both run a lot. Um, but she's like five eight, so she's not small. Um, yeah, petite. Yeah, I think like just like slender in the form of petite not like petite as in like height petite Um, yeah but yeah i think people sometimes fundamentally misunderstand what petite is because petite at least like from my perspective working in the fashion industry is i think i can't remember but there's like a specific height requirement so if you're buying petite clothes yeah it's like, and it's like everything is is a different proportion. So like your torso is shorter, like your legs are shorter, all that kind of yeah. stuff. So there's like, that's what petite is, at least. She yeah. maybe didn't actually say petite, but that's kind of just how I summed it up just now. So that was maybe my oh. okay. description more than anything. Um, okay. <laughs> yeah, but that's kind of vibe-ish. Which yeah. is just, uh, that's also very like typical of like having this like big like almost bare of a person and then this tiny little one um yeah. who yeah. she needs to be taken care of but 
in the end, she's the one who gets her, like, with the help of her supervisor, she's the one who gets accepted to do that talk at the conference. She's the one who gets accepted to go to a different cancer lab. Like, none of this is yeah. because of the person she's actually dating. Like, as much yeah. as that's what Tom leads her to believe, that's not what happens. Because even when it came down to it, Adam was like, no, when it comes to this conference, it's um, through blind review. So n- nobody knows who you are um, when they're, like, reviewing your, like, proposal to, like, talk um, and do a presentation. Um, and there is a lot of things like that in academia, like, with reviewing and things like that. Sometimes it's, like, anonymous until, like, they want you to do something because then... Hmm it's like blind casting too like they mm-hmm. um yeah so there's no like favoritism but there is yeah oh my god there is favoritism in academia but there's favoritism in any industry so yeah um for sure yeah and some people are just cocky enough to think that they're gonna get away with it forever um yeah 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 and the cover is kind of sweet too it's got all this like little sciencey things and then on the very back it's like test tubes with love hearts. Um, Aww. That's cute. Yeah. It's very sweet. Yay. And just like her also like friendships are just very sweet in it too. Um, yeah. Overall, love the book. Thought it was great. Definitely like a fluff read for sure. But <laughs> it's like a good okay. fluff read for sure. Sometimes you yeah. need that. Yeah. Yay. Yay. Good job. Well, I'm taking it in a completely opposite direction. (laughs) So originally we were going to do a different theme. Yeah. And then basically our lives just hit the fan. So I read this actually, I just, I went because we were like, maybe we should just do like a random book. Mm -hmm. And uh, the only book that I was reading really other than the books that we were reading for the podcast was an outlander book Mm -hmm. and anyone who knows outlander knows that they're like 750 pages long and i was on like i was on like page 150 so i was like there's no way that i can read this in three days so i just literally picked this like the smallest book on my (laughs) shelf okay so my book for the theme of life is fucking hard is called The Margot Affair by, and I'm going to completely butcher this name, so I'm sorry, but I think it's French. It's Sinai Lemoyne? Lemoyne? I don't know. Yeah, I can't help you. I'm really sorry. (laughs) It's been a long time since I took French, but this is what it is. There's like, there's like one of the little two dots above the E, so I don't know. Sinai? Sinai? Sine Lemoyne. Lemoyne? It, I thought she's fr- like I the entire book takes place no in Paris. So. Yeah, the entire like book takes place in Paris, so I'm assuming she's French. So I'm assuming it's probably pronounced like Lemoin or something like that. But yeah. anyway. I'm sorry if I'm completely butchering your name. It's her first novel, so anyway. Um, it was published in 2020 by Penguin Random House. So I actually found this book, and I'm pretty sure I've talked to you about this, but I'm going to tell all the listeners as well, because it's pretty dope. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I found this book through a site called BookBub. And basically every, so I don't think you read a lot of eBooks, do you? Uh, no. Yeah. So basically it's a website where you like make an account, you like put in all of your favorite kind of genres. Like you could put all of them, you could put a few of them, like whatever you want, you can put it in there. And every day it'll send you an email of deals like based okay. on your your like favorite genres or like books that you've favorited or whatever. Yep. So it's pretty sweet. That's how I get most of my books so cheap is because like I'll just be scrolling through my email and I'll be like, oh, this book's a dollar ninety nine, and all of them I think are like under. I think it's under three ninety nine. Okay. But sometimes there's ones that are like four ninety nine, but like still that's a pretty good deal for a book. Yeah. So it'll and it'll give you like an amalgamation of where you can find it. So it's either like Apple, Amazon, Kobo, or Google. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes it's an American site, so sometimes it gets a bit weird. Where you like, if I click on like the Apple site, it'll say, "Oh, this book is not available on like your like in your country's website." Yeah. So when that happens, I just write down the book and then I'll have, like, I'll know that I want to read that book for later mm-hmm. and I can either wait for it and put put it on my wish list or, like, buy it in, in store if I see it. Yeah. So this is one of those books. And I think Evan actually got it for me for Christmas last year because I just put it on my list of books and he just, like, looked at my list of books and bought me some books from my book list. Yep. Which is basically the best thing that you can do for me for Christmas. And in all honesty, yeah, and having a list for each other, okay, we started this a couple years ago, where we have, like, a running, um, like, Google Doc, where we can both access it and put things that we, say I see, I don't know, a bag that I like, or a t-shirt, and put it on the list, and there's no, like, expectation of ever getting anything on the list, but at least then... I know the books that Joseph wants. He knows the books I want. I cannot recommend that enough for people because yeah, you know what? That sounds it works like a really good idea. So good. Um, yeah. It seems a little weird, but then at least I know like I can like put the links on there. I can specify particular things. So I after I did it like the first time with like an item of clothing, I then realized I have to provide specifics like what size <laughs> I need and stuff. Because oh yeah. Um, yeah, that was... I then got a question beside <laughs> my thing. But our lists are both on the same document. The first page is Joseph, second page is me. So then we just put stuff on. I think it's great. And especially for like books and stuff, just like putting the title and the person. And then if I had a question, I'd be like, yo, I can't find that book. Like, can you send me a link to the like specific one you want? It works a treat. Um a good idea because evan is impossible to buy for and then he'll be like you know if you ever want to get me a gift here's this really specific computer part that you're never going to remember the name of and i'm like i guess i'll try yeah but i i have to say that i feel like i'm pretty good at giving gifts like i'm the master at giving gifts yep and i mean it'll be something very specific that like you told me 10 years ago that you said you might like to have one day and then I'll like yeah yeah those are like nice things too or like if you figure 
yeah, I still pride myself on the fact that that year I got Jordan a harmonica. Harmonica. It was like one of those things I had like five dollars left, and I was like, "Sure, harmonica," because I saw one and I was just like, "Yeah, he li- he's kind of loud. I'll just get him a harmonica." And I'm so glad when we did it online and gift yeah, exchanged, the- and the computer like Mike, Mike, it wouldn't pick him. It up. wouldn't pick up the harmonica. It was the best gift ever because he was just giving her, and we couldn't hear a damn thing. Um, yeah, that was great. That was great best christmas of them all <laughs> christmas 2020 okay. yeah anyway uh so that's how i found this book um and also before i read oh, well, maybe i should read the summary first I'll, I'll read the summary first so margot louvre has lived her whole life as a secret the hidden daughter of a long-standing affair she exists with her mother in the shadows living in a small parisian apartment on the left bank it is a house of cards that Margot, fueled by a longing to be seen and heard, decides to tumble. The summer of her 17th birthday, she meets a well-regarded journalist who will set her plan in motion. But as Margot is drawn into an adult world she struggles to comprehend, she learns how one impulsive decision can shatter the lives of those around her in ways she could never have imagined. Incisively exposing the seams between private lives and public faces, the Margot affair is a simmering exploration of desire, transgression, and the dangers of speaking the truth. Okay, so like I read that. <laughs> that was good. I, I read that summary and I'm like, that sounds so cool. Like it sounds like such an interesting story. And I thought that there would be like, I don't know, a message or like it would be at least gossipy. Yeah. But it was so like kind of pretentious and like, well written in a way that it was like it flowed together nicely and it was like clearly the author like knows what she's doing and like creating a narrative but i don't know it just seemed like it was just a bunch of shitty people like just doing shitty things yeah the whole book but anyway before i get it before i get into all that the first review on goodreads is the author's husband (laughs) (laughs) love it and okay so it's like kind of like okay that's cheating you can't like do that but i don't know i just wish that well i mean i'm not gonna say my husband doesn't support me he supports me 100 percent. he would do this for me if i ever wrote a book yeah so he's just like he just writes a review and he's like, full disclosure, I'm married to the author, so I can't give an unbiased review. This book, But even he says, like, this book won't be for everybody, but for the special few that it speaks to, like, it'll, yeah, you'll come back to it again and again. And I'm like, that's so nice. Yeah. That's so cute that her husband would do that for her. Anyway, so, uh, yeah. And I, I hate, I kind of hate reading books like this because... It, it's kind of like Pride and Prejudice last uh, episode where it's like, I feel dumb. I feel dumb when I'm reading it because it's like, I feel like I'm supposed to be getting something else than just, like, most of the time when I'm reading a book, I'm reading it for fi- like at face value. Mm-hmm. I'm like, a fish is a fish. You know, a curtain yeah. is a curtain. 
But you know how in English classes they're like, oh, the curtain was yellow because she was sad or whatever. Dumb bullshit that English yeah, teachers that have to do. Green light at the end of the dock. In yes. Oh, fuck Great that Gatsby. green light. That, yeah, I remember just being so mad at green lights. Um, yeah. And I, like, yeah, so most of the time I'm taking a book at face value, but it's, like, these books where it's all, like, flowery language and, like, very, like, introspective writing. I'm just, like, what I don't understand. I, I can't see past what you're telling me. And... So maybe that's why I had such a problem with it because I was just like, I don't like feeling stupid. And that's where I suppose there's like a difference, I think, because like, I know you didn't do like biology in university or anything like that, but I still feel that you would derive satisfaction from the book that I did. Like, obviously it has like different elements. So like, I am the partner of somebody who's doing their PhD. So I understand that like, nuances of like having your committee members and what the candidate now actually means like all of that kind of things but I don't feel that it's not understandable like she didn't go into depth and like explain like what the different biology things but like you could kind of just figure like and some of the things Mm -hmm. I didn't know either but I didn't feel it didn't derive from it whereas when like things are written in kind of like a fluff convoluted way it does make you question like your own worth in terms of reading because you're like am I getting something out of this because I'm not really understanding what they're saying and that does irritate me yeah yeah so that was kind of my my thoughts the whole time um anyway so maybe I'll just go a bit more into the story first Mm -hmm. so like Margot is the daughter of a semi-famous actress. It's not really talked about that much how famous her mom is because she. it's talked about her being in, like, a play, like, 20 years ago, and, like, that was, like, her big break, and that's what people really know her for. But again, this is also in Paris, so I feel like maybe actors who work on the theater are a lot more famous than they would be, like, here. Yeah, sure. <laughs> I have and no idea. So, so she's, like, well-known, probably... I guess she. I would say she was probably well-known in, like, the arts and culture mm-hmm. world. And so she's the illegitimate daughter of a married politician who, like, has two other, like legitimate children Mm -hmm. two sons and so like the book basically opens up like talking about her being a secret her whole life and like that her dad only shows up like i don't know whatever whenever he can basically Mm -hmm. he's overworked he shows up like once every six weeks for a weekend or something like that so then it kind of like so she's also 17 so she's a teenager so the vibes that i'm getting from her like at the beginning of the book is that she is a fucking teenager who wants the attention to be on her all the time yeah so she feels like she's not getting so her mom has always been kind of a flake because she's you know one of the artsy fartsy types Mm -hmm. and her dad is basically not in her life except for 
a few hours every six weeks. Yeah. So he pays for their lifestyle. He pays for their apartment, but like she never sees him. Mm -hmm. So I'm getting the like vibe that she wants to, I don't know, get the attention or she feels like she says that she like talks to this journalist because she thinks that like if the story is out in the open, he'll finally leave his wife and be with them, which is like, if he ain't done that by now. He's not going to do it with Matt's experience. That, but also, it's. I think that's such a childish way to look at it. Yeah, and it definitely shows that she's, like, more of a teenager where the feelings are instantaneous and you want to feel that satisfaction now rather than yeah. understanding that there's consequences after. Yeah, that's exactly it. So, anyway, she talks to this journalist. They decide to release the story, and it's released, and... It doesn't go the way she wants it to go, which I think we probably all could see that coming. Yep. But it's also not really like an explosive story. Like it's a story for a couple days and then, you know, 24 hour news cycle. We move on to something else in five seconds. Yeah. So, but also it really hurts her because of, like at first he denies it mm-hmm. before he like admits that it's true. And she was always under the impression that like his wife knew about them but it turns out in the end she didn't she had no idea and anyway so like the story breaks she's really upset with her dad because he doesn't acknowledge them and then i'm just gonna spoil it because i I spoiled mine so whatever (laughs) because i don't i don't think it'll ruin if you feel like you want to read the book after my review of it then i feel like it's still you're gonna find out some shit anyway so anyway turns out he dies of a heart attack i know and i was like completely not expecting that yeah which which you know i expect most most things in books so when that like the sentence like she comes home and her mom's like laying on the ground like in the living room crying and she like the the sentence where she's like your father is dead. I was like, oh shit. Like I literally had to stop reading for a second. I'd be like, what the fuck just happened? Yeah. So, and it's kind of really sad because he doesn't contact them. Cause I'm sure he's dealing with like a bunch of shit or whatever, mm-hmm. but she won't, she is mad that he won't contact them and she refuses to contact him because she's mad at him for not, like acknowledging her existence basically yeah so there's that and she's like a teenager so you know her emotions she's not thinking properly yeah she doesn't have the brain capacity to like think about what's going on yeah so she then gets back into no how does this happen okay so she the the journalist that she leaks her story with has a wife and these two journalists come to her mother's house before Mm -hmm. uh before her dad dies and do like they do like a piece on her yep and so this is how this girl meets the this wife of this journalist and then after her dad dies she meets this wife again like spontaneously yeah in a coffee shop across from her school and they like kind of strike up a friendship and then they decide that they're going to write a book together. So this 
the wife of this journalist is a go- like a ghost writer on the side. Oh, okay. So she's going to like interview her and like get her story about her dad and stuff. And uh, she's going to write this book. Yeah. First of all, like this relationship is super inappropriate because like these, it's like a middle-aged couple and she's 17 years old. Yep. And it describes her like staying over at their house and like listening at the door while they're having sex. No thanks. And you. then she and then she like masturbates to it. It's like what? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm like, okay, so maybe this is just super European, you know, they're really fluid with their sexuality over there. So I'm like, okay, I guess. I guess this is where happening. the UK Yeah, they <laughs> They're more impressed under the like continent of Europe, but definitely <laughs> different. Um. And okay, but also keep in mind that I had to read this because I decided that we I was ch- switching my book on Friday, and we were we were recording. It's a Monday today, yeah. so I read this in two days, and I was Bravo. just trying to motor through it. Well, it was only like three hundred forty pages. But I'm just like reading this book and I'm like, I don't understand like what this is supposed to be about. Anyway, she has like dreams of having threesomes with this couple. And like eventually she decides that she's also her mom has no idea where she is ever because she also has a friend who has her own apartment because her parents moved out to the country and she she wanted to complete her studies in Paris. So she just has her own apartment and they just hang out there all the time. And I'm just like, this is not healthy. You cannot give a, a teenager this much freedom. Like, yeah. freedom is good for a teenager. I, I, I 100% agree. But I don't think you should be giving them that much freedom because they can. They don't have the proper developed frontal lobe to be, like, dealing with adult shit like this. Yes. I agree <sighs> with all of that. Like, freedom, yes. Restricted freedom, more yes. <laughs> yeah. And, like, also, it's just so weird to me to think, like, she's, like, going to part, like, they're, like, having bottles of wine with dinner. Yep. And, like, I realize that that's, like, a normal thing over there. Yep, 100%. But, like, it's just so weird to me. And obviously, I I think also, like, it's fine for them because they have such a different, like, culture around alcohol. And I think it might even be a better culture. Yeah. You're introduced to alcohol way earlier in life. And it's not treated as, like, this taboo thing that you then like yeah exactly try to like do as like a way of rebelling yeah yeah so anyway she goes away so also at like a bunch of stuff like comes out about her dad and like you find out that her mom started the affair with the their her dad when uh she was pregnant with their second son so she was pregnant and this guy was like dicking around on her and like at first like Margot's mom was just like oh it means nothing you know it's just fun it's like and it was it worked for her because she has like trust and commitment issues so she was like I'm with a married man so like I get what I need from him and then he goes back to his wife yeah so and then she found out she was pregnant and she was like wasn't sure if she was gonna keep it but then he like said And she was like, she ended up deciding that she was going to continue with the pregnancy. And obviously, because Margot exists. Mm -hmm. But then she was like, 
I'm doing this. Like, I don't expect anything from you. In fact, I'm pretty sure she, like, broke up with him. Yeah. But he, like, came back and was like, no, like, this is my child. I want to be part of her life. I want to support you guys and blah, 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 all that kind of stuff. So, anyway. This couple is trying to get pregnant. And they, she like, she's telling Marco about this, which is, like, inappropriate for sure. Mm-hmm. And they go away for the weekend or like they're on vacation for two weeks and Margot goes up to see them because they're just like out at a country house. She ends up having sex with the, the like the guy. The journalist. In, yeah. in the marriage. Like it doesn't end up like they don't end up finishing, I guess. But like there was penetration. And like... Then this book like, has then... problematic written all over it. <laughs> yeah, and then, uh, it was so nobody ever knew that it was her who released a story about their dad, and then it turns out her dad. It turns out this author fucking released the whole story to another journalist, and it was brought out that she did it, that she was the one who released the story. And, like, all this stuff. And she basically did it to spite her because she felt, like, her husband immediately told her about, like, them having sex. <sighs> well, yeah, they're trying for a child and he just, like, yeah, has sex well, with a 17-year-old. Yeah, and then after she, like, confronts her. So Margot confronts her about releasing the story because she's, like, the only person who would have known all that shit was you. So it mm-hmm. had to be you. And she was like, yeah, well, I know what you did. She calls her a whore. She calls her mom a whore. And then she tells her she's pregnant. So it was kind of interesting that like Margot, the whole time she kind of had this like disgust for her mom, not disgust, but she just like didn't really get her. Yeah. And which, you know, that happens to every teenage girl at some point. Yeah. But I just found it interesting that she was like, had all these issues with her mom. And then she literally did the exact same thing. 100%. It was like a mirror. And so that was interesting. But still, like I said, it's just a story of shitty people doing shitty things. Like every single person is shitty in this book. You know how I feel about that. There's like really no. Well, at the end, the mom kind of redeems herself because she like writes a one woman show about like. The relationship and then the dad kind of redeems himself because right before he died, he ended up like revising her birth certificate to like give her his last name. Can you... Well, I suppose she would be a child, so he could do that. I don't know. She's still... Yeah, I guess she's still... I don't really know how it works. But anyway, it was just... I felt no connection to any of the characters. Yeah. And, like... Sounds like a wild (laughs) ride of a story, to be honest. You would think. You would think. Like, there's a lot of wild shit that happens in it, but I was like... I felt nothing the entire time. It wasn't even like... Well... (laughs) when the dad died i was like oh shit and then like when she had but even like no even when she had sex with the the like the husband i was like this i i could see this coming a mile away yeah so like it wasn't even like that it was like some like story that you're like oh my god i can't believe that happened and i don't know maybe it was just because i did have to read it like in such a short amount of time and i was like I was like, okay, I just got to, like, power through this book that maybe I just was, like, not connecting in the way I normally would. Mm-hmm. But I was just like, 
nobody is cool in this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I I was just like, I I don't and like a, I feel like a lot of the people, like when I went to read the um reviews on Goodreads also said like similar things. So mm-hmm. I felt a bit validated. There were some people that were like, Oh my god, this book is amazing. And like it gave me um kind of Sally Rooney vibes. So like on the one hand, I did kind of want to recommend it to you because the style of writing is like very normal people yeah but i also know you would hate it because of all the cheating (laughs) there's so much cheating in it see and i so i have read books where there's cheating in it and i can it's not that i can get behind it but like it plays in well it's annoying i just just can't accept it in my own personal life it's just a no-go situation but yeah but it's also annoying when they use it as like um when it's you know, like an easy hard. way out yeah. yeah 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 so i i totally get that but anyway so it's like definitely but also i like sally rooney's books do kind of make me feel dumb in that same way but not really because i still feel like she sets out a good story yeah. and like at the end you feel like even if you didn't like even if you take the the story 100% at face value you still enjoyed yourself yeah and like that I did I did not enjoy myself at all like the entire time Evan was like asking me like oh how is it like are you enjoying it and I'm like no (laughs) yeah which sucks because it's not it wasn't even like a oh I have to keep turning the pages to see how it Mm -hmm. ends it was just like this feels like a nothing story about a girl who just like needed attention too badly like she was basically neglected by both her parents and she just needed attention and she made a lot of bad choices yeah and so i just looked up on goodreads a second ago so like comparing between our two books my book has a four point oh shoot yours is a 3.62 and mine was a 4.31 and not that, like, yeah. Goodreads is anything to go off of, because I've sometimes hated books that have a fantastic rating in Goodreads, and sometimes yeah. I've um, loved books that have a shit rating. But um, yeah. I think today that kind of tracks. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so, like, yeah, so it was a good book in that it was well-written, but I didn't enjoy it. Yeah. If that makes sense. Like, and you have to derive some sort of satisfaction and enjoyment from a book. Yeah. Like, that's kind of key. Um, like, I can understand how literarily it was a good book, but I just did not. And, yeah, you know, it's just me. Maybe it's just me. But I, yeah. Yeah. Anyway. <sighs> yeah. <sighs> and, like, it, like I said, it made me, it was pretentious and i'm not even really sure maybe it was just because it was french and i'm not european and i can't possibly understand the culture of the french but Mm. i was just like everyone was privileged in a way that you couldn't like empathetically relate to really yeah Um, exactly however the description of food is like oh my god like baguettes like, all the oh. cooking. Like, there was a lot of, like, a lot of the characters were really good cooks, so it would, like, describe them cooking, and it was, like, 
what I would I would have for a baguette right now. Like yeah, like I would have read would do <laughs> whatever. What you wouldn't do, there's not a lot you wouldn't do, is what you're no. saying. Yeah, the yeah. That. Yeah, like I was desperate to visit Paris because it liked it. and like the descriptions of Paris are so beautiful and like I really want to go back for sure and like as an adult so that I can actually enjoy it. But like, oh my god, the food. It just made yeah. me so hungry. If she would have written a book like just about people like enjoying themselves and like cooking, I probably would have like this would be a completely different inter like uh review. Because mm-hmm. I would just be like she she described the food so perfectly that I was like, I'm so hungry. And I just want to be able to cook French food all the time. Maybe I'll take a cooking class one day. I've always wanted to. Um, yeah, so there was like there was still a lot of inch like parts that like I had to kind of like stop and stare off into the distance, you know, as you do. Mm-hmm. So there was one part at the pretty close to the beginning where she like the, the main character is like w- like what's worse being a secret or being non-existent and i was like that's kind of an interesting like that's an ex- interesting experience yeah like what is worse people not knowing you exist or like having your entire existence be someone's secret yeah um oh this one's a really good quote hang on let me find it because i just like even though this is said by the shitty wife i liked the message um we are like snakes she said throughout our lives we shed our previous selves like old skins we're always changing never the same individual nothing not even a terrible thing can fully consume us wow that's a nice thought yeah so even though you're going through something really shitty right now, you're going to become a different person from it. Yeah. But there's kind of a sweet message in that. Oh, yeah. Um, also, there's some discrepancies in the story, which is annoying, and it kind of takes you like out of the story. So it says that like the journalist's parents moved out to some different province yeah. in France to help take care of his sister's kids and at one point it says she has three kids but another said in another like chapter it says she only has two i hate shit like that i know drives me up the wall and then they're also so like her mother so margo's mother is described as being an like an older mom so when she has her she's 39 so she's 17 now, so she would be, what, like, 56? And it talks about her parents still being alive. And I'm just like, I, I guess, like, people can live to be 100, but, like, it's unlikely. So, wait, tell me the ages again. So when she had, when Anouk, that's the mom's mm-hmm. name, had Margot, she was 39. Okay. And Margot's 17 now. Yeah. So, like, depending on when her parents had, like, if they had, say she had her, like, Anouk really young. That's, like, an 18-year age difference. At most. Well, I don't know. Maybe not. Okay. But. Well. 
so my mom mm. <laughs> my mom's in her 50s and my grandma is late 70s okay and like Joseph's parents are like late 50s and they still have like most parents alive so it's not inconceivable yeah i mean like yeah it's not inconceivable but i was just like suspicious and also apparently you know in france you eat so well and you drink wine and that's supposed to make you live a very long life so mm-hmm. what do i know it was mostly the kids one because i was like yeah okay at what point you say there's two and another point you say there's three like which is it yeah and things like that i don't know when I'm like thinking about books, I in my head I have like a mind map of like who people are. So when I mm-hmm. see like a family tree, I'm like, cool, this all clicks, it connects. But when there's something that doesn't make sense, um, God, there was a book not long ago, and I pointed out something like that, and I'm like, make up your mind. Oh, it was the Kristen Hanna one. And it seemed Mm. like the age difference between the sisters changed. And I might be wrong, but I was like, in my mind, especially if you're doing something historical, you need to like pick a date of how old that person is. And then you could almost have like a timeline of what age they'll be at different points. But maybe that's just because I live for those like tiny details and I check Mm -hmm. them because I'm weird. (laughs) But if it seems off, I'm gonna think about it. So yeah. Yeah, and it's going to take you completely out of the story, so. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. It was well written. I didn't enjoy it. I gave it three stars. I don't think I would recommend it to anybody, but the last person on earth that I would recommend it to would be you, because yeah. I know how much you dislike cheating. Even and though now I there's think discrepancies, you would actually... so that's even worse. Exactly. Yeah. So this is not a book for Kirsty. No. I don't know if it's really a book for anybody. Maybe it's a book for French people. I don't know. Yeah. It wasn't the book for me, that's for sure. I think you should read my book. It was good. I will. And I was going to buy it when we were at that bookstore, but then I wanted to buy the nice classic Jane Eyre instead. Yeah. Fair. But I will keep an eye out for it for sure. Yeah. Yay. Oh, my God. Okay. okay. So to get right into it, we have some announcements. Yeah. So, because Nikki has started a new job, I am moving across the country and starting back at university. We unfortunately do have to take a slight break. So, we are going to regroup. We're still going to do our read-along that will air on September 29th. So, it just, we need to take a slight pause just to regroup our lives and figure things get settled. out get settled in yeah. are the new things that we're doing um which are new and exciting but they're also stressful and yes. we just need some time we love doing this podcast we don't have a huge following but we love the people who are listening and we're really enjoying doing it but we need to regroup and just it's a lot take a little pause in stock of like we just have to focus on other things right now and yeah it's becoming too much and chaotic and it's gonna hurt us in the long run if we don't take that pause so yeah we really appreciate everybody who is following we just and we will be back on september 29th for 
Lessons in Chemistry by Bonnie Garmus. So we will be back then. Yeah. In the grand scheme of things, we're only missing one episode. Yeah. But in our time, that's... One. <laughs> in, in our time, that's like... For a whole month. Yeah. So it'll be a lot of time, good time for us to just get some other stuff in our life settled and then we can fully focus our attention on this. And that that's the thing is that we want to be able to give our full attention to this when we do it. So... Yeah. And right now it's just getting too far away from us. And the two of us were yeah. talking before and it feels kind of like if you're running a ball down a hill, it's just we can't quite catch up to, to catch the ball. Like it's just running a little too yeah. quick right now. Um, yeah. 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 But we love you guys and yeah, we are going to come back bigger and better than ever. Yes. So if you want to um, keep up to date with us, um, please, please, please follow us on Instagram. Um, you can find us at Dear Bear Book Club. You can send us messages there. You can send us posts. You can send us books. Come come hang out with us. Yeah. We'd love to hear from you. If you don't feel like you want to talk to us on Instagram, you can also email us about any of the books that we've done, any uh, if you want to message us about Lessons in Chemistry, if you already read it, or any of the other books that we've ever done, or if you want to recommend books, or if you want to recommend themes, shoot us an email. We're at dearbearbookclub at gmail.com. <sighs> yeah. I think that's it. <laughs> we're exhausted, uh, we're... and we need to yeah. go to bed. <laughs> yes. Uh. Oh dear. We love you guys. Yep. Thank you so much for listening. Happy reading. Keep reading. Yay. Bye. Bye. <laughs>